Hey guys, welcome to the Planet PDX podcast. Today we have Corby Stevens on. He is an artist. He works in ministry as well. He's been playing guitar for years and he's also up in Washington area. So that's really cool because that's near and dear to my heart coming from Big Harbor, Washington. And um, it's just really amazing just to be able to have him on. So Corby, welcome to the show, man. And we are so glad to have you. Thanks. It's uh, it's cool to be here. Yeah. So, um, like we always like to start off with like just where did you like grow up? Where where's home for you? Um, and where are you at right now? Yeah. The the short version is uh, uh, born, uh, raised, and educated in the same zip code in Vancouver, Washington. Wow. Like uh, all the way through all the <laughs> way through high school uh, in Vancouver. Uh, moved away for college. Came back for more college. Uh, got engaged and moved away for more Bible college and uh, tootled around the country a little bit for a number of years. Um, ended up at, back in Vancouver, probably 2015, and currently live in Kalama, Washington. Yeah, so you're just all over, and that is awesome. I love, I love Washington. I love that you like still stayed in Washington, even though you're like just going around different areas because there's there's so much I, there. It came back. I just there's <laughs> it's it's the best place to live to me still so yeah well i definitely would agree in regards to like just all the yeah just the differences in cultures climates and you pretty much get all of it into one and if if you love the rain then keep on keeping on um and i'm down in portland and i do (laughs) well awesome (laughs) and you also like really amazing seasons there too so that's always an amazing um thing to just be able to experience in those kinds of areas um so i see here that you have man bible college um like you're 47 you're just loving life a father and also a producer and oh my gosh so like there's so many different areas and aspects uh, of you um in the regard of just blogging and creative things so um is there i think we should like definitely press into um just your worship and you know how did you like would you consider yourself to be like a a guitar player a worship artist in that regard or would you say that you would be more so like in the the podcast realm because i I see here that it's both like it's like a both and so yeah yeah um musically um uh, not actually normal guitar, but uh, normal huh, bass guitar as opposed to I guess normal guitar. <laughs> yeah, um, it's too many strings. I can't do all that. So I, <laughs> I, I, um, I grew up the son of a professional musician uh, who got saved when I was in middle school, mm-hmm. and um, I uh, have you know musical abilities. My my dad is one of those naturally born gifted ridiculous guitar player can play anything with strings basically um but i didn't you know necessarily jump into that but in uh, middle school the middle school ministry at the church was trying to put together a student band and we had a bass in the basement of the house and i thought well maybe i'll pick this up and learn it so i started there uh playing bass purely just in in church worship stuff Mm -hmm. uh growing up middle school high school a little bit in college um and then later in life when i was uh pastoring uh, we didn't have a drummer so i 
thought, well, I like, I'm always tapping like rhythmically on things. <laughs> yeah. I could never do drums cause I can't work my hands and feet at the same time. It's mm. just, I don't understand how humans do that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I'm always tapping on stuff. So, uh, I, somebody had a cajon, a drum box. Yep. And, uh, actually I watched somebody play a cajon using brushes, like mm -hmm. drummer brushes, jazz brushes. Yeah. Uh, instead of their hands. And so I tried that and it kind of worked uh, for me. I didn't have to use my feet, which was awesome. Um, <laughs> yeah. I just had to play. I could, it almost sounded like a, if you just had a kick, a snare and a hi-hat, it kind of sounded like that. And um, that worked. So, and there was a better bass player anyway, hey. who happened to be my son. Oh, and, there we uh, go. Keep it in the family always. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. Um, but yeah. And, uh, is concerning worship um and even just uh, like i mentioned before i listened up to, to at least one of the previous episodes mm -hmm. um i discovered later that i did not ever when i was playing when i was no i'm sorry when i'm in the congregation i never experienced worship in the sense of uh me feeling God's presence or me crying out to God for whatever reason. That just wasn't where I, I experienced that vibe. I experienced that in other places, which we could get to, but never musically. Oh, it was only when I was um, playing that I kind of slow, mm. even on a small level, felt that connection. Um, and I, I point that out because I think that's okay. I think we, ex we experience God in different ways. There's no one way to experience or express worship um even as a musician so you could be in the congregation and just like it just doesn't you know that's not your spot but if you're playing and you experience that then great that's that's fine that's totally fine mm -hmm. and i think that's like really cool because i i totally know what the cajon is i've been playing the cajon for um well i was playing the full kit but then being part of a church that was set up tear down every single week they're like oh my gosh wait we can just throw this yep. box into a bag <laughs> and call it good and i was like oh no like this is so limiting because i love playing the full kit i love that but then like understanding the church plant they're like well we want to be as efficient as possible because we have so much time if we have like utilize more time just like fellowshipping then we're able to have yeah. more time like just less time in the whole setup and tear down aspect i'm like okay, I get it. But then I started playing, I was playing Cajon for seven years and like yep. playing a full kit. It was just like, kind of like, oh, like, wait, why, why would you even go back to the full kit? And I'm like, you don't understand. <laughs> it's so much fun. Like, it's such a great, it's a great way. It's free. <laughs> it's, oh my gosh. But, it's freeing right. for the player. It's freeing for the sound guy. It's freeing for the <laughs> set of people. It's, it's like, it's across the board, just freeing. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I, I just had to get really creative with the cajon and I just like put in hours. I was like, all right, you little box, yeah. like we're going to get really close because like I need to figure out how to make you enjoyable because I am used to playing a 10 piece kit with cymbals and double kick. <laughs> and I'm like, this is not going to be anything compared to this. But if I can like just find some kind of like happy groove in this, then awesome. Yep. And like you were saying before, it's like taking taking a kick, a snare, and a hi-hat, or even, like, you can have some little, like, accents, like Tom fills, if you, like, mm -hmm. really get, like, intricate with it. 
Um, but yeah, people, if you, if you know where to hit, you can get different sounds. Oh yeah, for sure. And everyone's like, "Wait, like, were you playing the full kit?" Because some people in the way back congregation were like, what? "Exactly." And I'm like, "No, like, this is just a box." So like, what the heck? And, like, <laughs> I would be showing the box and turning it around every single service and like showing them inside. Like, well, is there like a little box thing, a little thing? And I'm like, "No, it's just a box. Like, it has guitar yep. strings inside of it, and that's it." <laughs> like what the heck is going on what kind of witchcraft is this <laughs> exactly um but i completely understand in that regard that you're saying like feeling the presence of god when you're in like when you're on stage or you're worshiping like out because i think it's like that place where god really honors he really honors you when you are living a life of complete just surrender and you're it's not about you like is you're not up there for your own glory. And like, that's where God's like, Hey, like I see you, man. And like, I want to like completely just like bless you. And I want to bless your heart in that because a lot of times a lot of people like me, for example, playing through high school and then like playing throughout life. And it take a long, it took a long time for me to get my heart right because it was just like, yeah. Oh, this is me being able to play and I'm, I'm good. And I'm like, Oh, cool. But it also came to that place where, God was like, Stephen, this is not about you. And it's never been about you, man. And I was like, wait, what? And having that kind of like reposition to a place of, I want to bring in, like, I want to prepare people's hearts for the, for the message, for God to move, to speak, to do whatever you need to do during that time for their, for their hearts to be ready to, to receive or to repent or whatever that looks like in that moment. And like when I started seeing it in that way, I was like, wow, like that's way more like life giving because I'm, I'm preparing people's hearts. But that also means I need to like be in a place of worship prior to coming to church because I can't just show up and be, re- be in this posture position where I just like yeah. expect to be like, okay, yeah, I'm just gonna like give you guys all the stuff and like be in this like really prideful place, you know? So I think that's where like you, you feel and you experience God in a in a way different way. I don't want to say it's more or less, but I would say it's just different. Right. Um, and it's like that really amazing uh, place where you can be like, man, like, thank you. Like, I, I feel so honored, you know, that you would show up, Holy Spirit, that you would be moving in my heart and my life. Like, even when I'm up here, like, playing in front of these people, I don't even play for them. I'm playing for you. And that's where he's seeing you. And he's, like, totally blessing you through that. Yeah, I th- I think yeah we definitely get it backwards. We definitely have to grow in it because uh, it's it's never it's never about me. And I I understand the sentiment when people say this, but I, I think it I think it's a little backwards when we talk about inviting God in. Yeah, because <laughs> the fact is that God is everywhere. God is already there. Yeah. God, in fact, you know, we have, there's worship songs where it's like, you know, God, I want more of you. And it's like, no, wait, I think God's actually saying that to us. God's (laughs) saying he wants more of us. We, we really, and I, again, I, I get what they're saying, but it's like, I, I think God's like, I'm already here. I'm waiting on you. Yeah. Would you, would you, would you show up? Yeah. Would you, would you arrive so that uh, it's, we, we pray, you know, God bless this ministry thing that I want to do. (laughs) I'm going out for you. I'm going out on your behalf and I'm going to save the world and it's going to be great. And God bless this. And God's like, maybe I don't want you to do that. 
-hmm. Like maybe that's not the thing I have for you. So why don't you flip it around and say, God, how can I be used by you? And just wait and listen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I think we, uh, we get stuck on, I think we get stuck on uniformity. Like worship is a great example. Like we think that, uh, worship somebody who's really worshiping looks like x mm-hmm. and whatever x looks like in this you know 10 year span it's yeah like hillsong used to be the thing bethel's the thing vineyard used to be the thing and if it looks like that man you're really worshiping and that, that's that's just wrong yeah, <laughs> that's just, I completely that's go for filtering it. yeah that's filtering god's life and spirit through our own cultural lens when we should be flipped around like everything needs to be filtered through god's lens yeah um you know like for example culturally we tend subconsciously we believe that being extroverted is normal being somebody who wants to go out and go water skiing or mountain climbing or or beers on the beach with fire pits and hanging out in clubbing or all of that sort of outgoing stuff is is put out there as normal this is what normal people are like and if you're somebody who likes to stay home and you're quiet and you're chill then something's wrong with you right <laughs> the poor introverts that, <laughs> yeah. that we all see that right the same yeah. thing applies in the church mm. same thing applies spiritually if you're not what people call on fire then you're missing out on something mm. and i'm like that's that's a complete cultural interpretation filtering like i don't know where it comes from but maybe it comes from revelation where jesus says to the laodiceans i wish you were hot or cold but because you're not hot or cold you're lukewarm i'm going to puke you out of my mouth which is a more literal way of saying it yeah um we culturally we say hot is good cold is bad it's i've heard preachers say i wish you were hot on fire you know lit up for me Mm -hmm. or cold against me and i have to say stop wait when does God ever want someone to be against him? Never. Never. Yeah. Never, ever, ever, never, ever. Right. In right. fact, in fact, New Testament says God wishes that none would perish, but all would come to repentance. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah. to say hot is good, cold is bad, completely misses the point because of our cultural filtering of the passage. What's being said is com- would make complete sense to the Laodiceans in the first century because, and this is, I'll try not to go off too much, but no, you're great. Laodicea, was, <laughs> Laodicea was on an aqueduct between two towns. Mm-hmm. At the top of the hill was Hierapolis, I think is the name of the town, that had a hot spring. And so the Romans built an aqueduct to channel that water down the hill to, on the other end was Colossae, which we know for, uh, as a, town in the new testament the book of colossians yep exactly so it's hot at the top of the hill by the time it gets to the bottom of the hill it's cool or cold and right in the middle is laodicea so hot is great hot springs hot tub hot packs on a on a sore on a wound right right cold is also good cold therapy cold a cold drink of water a, a, a cool shower after you've been working all day it's cold is great also What's useless is lukewarm. So Jesus isn't saying, I wish you were hot, good, cold, bad. The bad of the three is the lukewarm, right? Yeah. I... So you see, it's, 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 it just, it, that's just frustrates me because somebody who looks cold, like a more introverted person, 
is actually really busy on the inside processing everything going on around them. Mm -hmm. That that's, that's who I am. I'm a, I'm, I peg every introvert test. I'm at the far end of that spectrum. Mm. But yeah. <laughs> when I'm reading and studying the word of God, it's like, it's a storm happening in my head and my heart mm. that you can't see because it doesn't come out like an extrovert does. Right. And I think we really need to reclaim the value of both of those things because we're the body of Christ, right? Mm -hmm. Bodies have different parts. If we were all the eye, where would the hearing be? If we were all ears, where would the smelling be? Mm -hmm. But for whatever reason, <laughs> we want everyone to look the same and it's the good version of whatever, you know, church camp you're from. It, charismatic, conservative, whatever. Right. It has to look like that. That's the normal. It's like, no, no, we're all missing out on something. We're yeah. all, and each one <laughs> honestly offers correction to the other where they don't think they need correction, but yeah. we do. Totally. And I, I want to like, piggyback on what you said earlier because i i love what you just said and i don't want you to feel like oh well this is a creative podcast and like like well, this right. is a complete place where we're able to share like worship because we are a podcast that is based in faith as poema is a, a greek word that means god's workmanship and that's what we're all about is like collaborating and creating that space where we are just um yeah just wanting to activate and give people the space to actually go and pursue it um pursue their gifts whatever that looks like whether that's art or that's you know just being in that kind of sphere of curiosity of creation um but i want to go back to what you said about praying about for god to fill us up and praying for god to show up <laughs> and i think yeah when we when we are singing those songs and we're we're praying for God to do that. I think that's just more so of ourself, of our of our flesh, like dying and saying, hey, get out of the way, Stephen. Hey, get out of the way, like flesh, like this world. I want to like completely have more of God because God's already here. Like God's already been here. He's, he's omnipresent. He is just waiting in anticipation eagerly for us to, sh to give more of a concern about him in our life because there's, mm -hmm. there's so many things that they that our life is so dependent on which you know this pandemic which we can talk about as well like you know has completely um brought some things to the light um and it's also showed a lot of people like their their um idols that they have um been you know serving for so long and where, yep. God, where god's like hey like since i've shut the whole world down and you know what what do you have now like what do you well, who are you worshiping what's going on yeah. in your in your heart what's going on in your life and through that like that's where these songs come out of of like god i want more of you and it's like steven i want so much less of of you because i don't i don't really need you and i never was meant to to live in this in this life like serving and being glorified that was never god's intent is that that was never his his master plan for us. It was for us to mm -hmm. live in obedience by the, by his spirit to be living, um, bled by him completely and, and in surrender. So when we are in that posture of saying, God, like fill me up or, you know, Holy spirit, come and fill this place. Like I think for, for me personally, it's like that spot for like my, for my temple, like Holy spirit come into Stephen and like, 
flood flood my spirit flood my heart because i know you're here but i just need to like get out of the way and move because like i'm working or i have these anxieties mm-hmm. or i have these these problems that are becoming bigger than becoming bigger than you and that's where it's like yeah whoa like that has never been you know god's god's bigger than all these things god can freaking destroy all this stuff but he wants us to actually trust him through it he wants us to seek him and to get out of the way instead of saying god i'm gonna treat you like a genie he's like hey how about you just stop talking and just listen and and like ask me what is my perfect plan for you and then just let me do it let me just move in your life instead of you trying to be like and this is what i want this is what i want this is where i'm going and like wait this is what i i Mm -hmm. me Dude, no. This is where yeah. I want to be where you're going, God. I want to be led by you. Holy Spirit, come in and show me like what it is that you're trying to do. So I think yep. like that's the whole shift that I would hope to see that's happening. And a lot of people just don't see it in that way. They're like, oh well, I just want to like live in this whole like Bethel movement and I want to live in this whole charismaniac, charismatic, even though yes, I completely believe in the gift supernatural i also know that there's been a lot of hurt that has happened which is really sad to watch and really sad to be a part of that mm-hmm. way because i love seeing holy holy spirit move and seeing god show himself in that kind of way but if we focus so heavily on the gifts we're missing out on the beauty of the person of christ you know mm-hmm. and that's like what it comes down to we can't be so camped out in supernatural and and miracles and let's just have an emotional feeling and make it all about just this crazy feel because if we're just doing that there's no substance there's no there's no root of who is god to you oh he's just a healer well if we look into the gospels he says i never knew you Mm -hmm. and like that is like the most scary thing to even think through that's terrifying yeah Yeah. like oh my gosh can be terrifying i would hate to be like god i did all this stuff in your name and i i i and he's like who are you like you're not even my Mm -hmm. like i made you but i don't know who you are and you know so like i think that's what you're trying to to say through that am i am i hitting on the head with what you're where yeah, it's, I'm 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 trying to find balance, and some people equate balance with compromise, and it's it's not at all compromise. It's it's again back to the illustration of the body because we're all parts of a body. We tend to think that our part and our way is the way. Um, so it's not taking away from exactly. It's helping to see the full scope. You know, yeah. um, it's. Like, for example, this is the way, this really is, even though we're talking like theological stuff, it really is all about being a creative. Yeah. Because it's it's your spot, it's your part of the body. Mm-hmm. And it's important as a creative to see yourself in the full context of the body. Whereas I believe as a creative, we tend to see ourselves as kind of the center of the universe because that's what creatives are. We're, <laughs> we're like, we want to create so that people will look and admire and, and praise what we have done. That's just, that's part of it. I mean, look at totally my kids grew up, my kids grew up with American Idol, right? Yeah. Right. 
like yep, same. a whole mm-hmm. competition of of look how well I can sing, look how well I can perform, and that has carried over into the church where the most valuable ministries are. When you look at the budget, the most valuable ministries are the musicians and the preacher. Mm-hmm. It's it's the people who are up front, and that's that's also terrifying. Yeah, that just it's way out of whack. So like. When you, this is my take on the gifts of the Spirit. Um, as a vessel, as a believer, as a child of God, I see myself as a cup or a bowl or a vessel with a hole in it. Mm-hmm. So that when God pours himself into me, uh, I don't fill up and am content when I am filled. I should be constantly leaking. Mm-hmm. The, the, the point of him coming into me is not for me. It's not for my experience. It's not for my pleasure. It's not for my anything. It's mm-hmm. so that the water will come into me and flow out of me and useful for somebody else. Yep. That's what the gifts are. I think it's unfortunate that we have the English word gift even involved in this conversation because we think of gift as a present. You know, yeah. I, when I was a kid, I got a gift. I got a bike and I could ride that bike or I could not ride that bike. It was mine to do with yeah, as I all please. Mine. Exactly. And we tend, oh. we tend to think of the gifts as that, the gift of tongues, the gift of healing, the gift of prophecy. It's mine to use whenever I want, whenever I wish. Nope. And it's for me. And it's like, nope. that's just, I, I call it BS. That's just yeah. so much baloney. Yeah. That's not it at all. Um, it's rather... I think of, I think a better picture for the gifts than a present is mm. it's like you're working on your car with your dad mm. and you're, you're, you're under the car and you need a five eighths socket. So your dad hands you a tool that you use to do a job and then you let go of it. And then he might hand you a different tool to do a different job. Mm. I, I think that's what the gifts are. They're tools that God gives us in the moment for a need and that's why we don't have just one gift. We don't have like the person in the church who is the healer or the person in the church who is the prophet or the person in the church who is the whatever. Mm-hmm. It's the gifts are available for, for all, for a reason, for a time and a place. Um, I, I, I think when you have that view, it's much more freeing. Like I've never spoken in tongues mm-hmm. ever. I've I've been to the places and heard the talks on how you can try to get that gift, but it's like, what if God doesn't have that gift for me? Yeah, I'm fine with that. I can be completely fine with that because I do know that he has gifted me in other ways because people have told me what your teaching you just did as a pastor spoke to my heart and has changed my life and saved my marriage and whatever it was because it was the gift of teaching. Mm-hmm. It wasn't my gift. I didn't know what I was saying. I didn't know what I was doing <laughs> yeah. for that person in that moment. It was, it was the thing. And uh, I, I don't know, I, to me, that's a much more freeing version of the gift than saying, you're, you're only a spirit-filled believer if you express gift X. Yeah. No. I'm like, well, that's, that's, that's a trap. That's a prison mm-hmm. that you will suffer and even walk away from the faith if that never happens for you because of that narrow view. Yeah. And I think that's... And I, I apologize if that sounds hurtful to somebody, but that's... Uh, I apologize. No, I think you're, you're totally on onto something here because there's so many people that walk away a lot more um, hurt than healed um, through churches and because they're just like, well, I didn't, I didn't experience this. 
I didn't get right. the experience. And you're like, why are we making God an experience? Like, why is God becoming like, Thank a, you. like an amusement park? Like, he yep. was never meant to be this. Yes, like, we're, we are meant to be loved by God and, like, understand that. And the more that we understand that, the more that we can actually, like, allow ourselves to be loved by him instead of be the doer or be the knower of him, like, mm-hmm. we're going to actually encounter him a lot more um, in our life because yeah. we're not going to live our life under the scrutiny that says that I have to perform. I have to show up in a certain way. I have to do things to earn his grace, to earn his favor. Like, no, that was never his intent. He says, just come to me and you'll find rest. Like, allow himself, like, just come to, mm-hmm. come to Jesus and like understand that he's already done the work for you. He's going to call mm-hmm. you into a place of of surrender and that's going to be a lot of work, heart work, outside work, whatever it looks like, but like it's this it's this posture of humility that says, "Hey God, like I want to be used by you and I don't want to allow man allow others to influence what that looks like to uh to my, to our walk because every walk is different and I think a lot of times people are just trying to say well, if you're not doing this, this, and this, you can't be in leadership. Mm-hmm. I've seen that in churches. I'm like, wait, if you can't speak in tongues, you can't be on leadership? Like, what? Mm-hmm. If you can't, you know, do this or whatever, like, you can't serve in some kind of capacity? And I'm like, wait, like, aren't we supposed to be people that are, um, like, sharpening each other and loving each other and allowing other people to understand how we are to be moving as a body as one instead of moving as separate entities of like oh the same thing like if if you have this you're in <laughs> like no yep. that yeah. is not how it's supposed to be it's not supposed to be this place of well you just must you must not be as spiritually mature because you don't have this mm-hmm. wow no that is a hard hard no and i think yeah. that's where i came because i went to a conference and like God showed up in an amazing way, but I never experienced God in this way of like supernatural. And I was like, whoa, it kind of took me back, but it would also like put me into a posture of, okay, I'm just really curious. Like I want to like go to the word. And I think that's yeah. where we need to go to every time we are in a space where a lot of things that are supernatural or spiritual or just different are happening. We need to go back to the source, the root. And I think that's where a lot of people are like, oh, well, I just want to like do that. And they put someone on a pedestal. Like, you know, we can look back to all uh, like people of Corinth, Thessalonica, um, Colossae. Like they're like, Paul was like, do not look to me as Mm -hmm. like the God because I am, I am being obedient to the father. Like I'm going and following Jesus. Do not put me into a place of idolship, a place of worship. Like, because I'm only a man <laughs> and like, yeah. this is where it's coming down to with people like Bill Johnson. People are like, I want to be like him. Like he's a man. Mm-hmm. Like, and he's and some, so hard to say this. Like, cause I really like wish that he was on it all the time, but he's not, he misses the mark at times. And I'm like, dude, how can you be up on a pulpit saying these things? And you're missing it so many, so many times. And like, I have to go back to the word and like, check it. And I have to like, carry discernment into your messages with like such a heavy heart because I don't know if you're going to be leading other people away from the Lord. And it's like, 
hey, like you need to be like keeping yourself in check because if you're if you're just saying these things like, oh, you need to be doing this, you need to be having this be more open, like people are being open, people are doing these things, but they're not getting the yeah. same experience and that should not be a result of their fruit or their obedience to the father. That never should be the case. <laughs> like, yeah. Yep. It, we, um, gosh, so many ideas, so many thoughts. There's, <laughs> um, keep on going, man. We, this is great. <laughs> no, cause you're, you're, you're definitely speaking my language today. Um, mm. There's a lot of the difficulties and things that go down wrong trails begin with a, a subtle misunderstanding or misusage of a piece of scripture. It's not even a giant one. It's a subtle one, but it's, it, there's a snowball effect for mm -hmm. sure. Yeah. Um, uh, one case in point is the idea of, of correction. Mm -hmm. Like there, there was a, there was, a, I'm gosh, I'm 47. I'm not definitely the old dude, but I'm, to a lot of people, I am the old dude. Yeah. So I've, I've been around, I, I, I'm comfortable saying I've been around long enough to see at least one or two shifts in the church. Totally. Yeah. Um, we're, I think we're in a, in a stage, uh, and you can call it generational if you want, because it's, it's, you know, time and generations or whatever, yeah. where, where correction is seen as judgment mm. or more specifically condemnation. Like, you know, it's people will say in the church, judge not lest you be judged. It's like, well, that's, that completely misses the point of what Jesus was saying. It, it, it's, you, you might you'd be better say condemn not unless you be condemned. That's like condemning to hell. That's yeah. the context of that kind of statement. Mm -hmm. In fact, Paul flat out says, I don't have any business judging or correcting anyone outside the church. It is absolutely all my business to correct people inside the church. Mm -hmm. but we're in a, we're in a generation, we're in a, a stage of the church where everyone, a lot of people have grown up to believe I can be what I want. I can be free to express however I want, whatever I want, and you have to validate it. And I have to validate your thing, which is a completely self-centered, selfish, wrong way of doing it. Now, somebody who hears me saying that might jump to, well, then are you saying that we're all worthless and should be out of the way. And because when you say get out of the way so God can move, what about me? What about the gifts that I have? What about how God's built me? I'm not saying the worst version of what you think I'm saying. I'm actually trying to get you to the middle, mm -hmm. which is, yep. There's a difference between being worthless and unworthy. And people twist those in the worst possible ways. And here's, here's my frustration with this is I see signs on churches, around churches that say you are worthy. Now, in a sense, I can see how that can be true, but in a much more common everyday, even unbeliever sense, an unbeliever is going to see that sign that says you are worthy. And, and the conclusion is, well, then I don't have to do anything. Do I, mm. I don't, if I'm worthy, then why do I need Jesus? Mm. Even as a believer, if I say I'm worthy, like that means I've or I don't and I am innately worthy means I don't need anything. Now the opposite of that is not worthless. That's wrong because as a created being from mm -hmm. God, yeah, there is a worth in that. Mm -hmm. But it's not it's not worthy of God's love. I am unworthy of God's love because I was born into sin. Yep. And God chooses to love me. Mm-hmm. That doesn't suddenly make me worthy. 
because I am not worthy. God is alone is worthy, but he loves me anyway. And it's mm -hmm. that thought. That's not a slavery mindset. That's not a worthlessness mindset. That's a gospel mindset because yeah. we're sinners. We do not deserve God's love. We do not deserve Jesus. We all deserve hell. Yep. Uh, there's, there's no one in hell who's going to say, I didn't deserve this. Right. And there's also going to be no one in heaven who does say, I did deserve this. Right. Exactly. <laughs> That's the difference. That's the subtlety. Um, uh, because, um, like, when you look at John 3.16, most famous verse in the Bible, <laughs> For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Most preachers take that verse and say, God loves you so much, because it uses the word so. For God so loved the world. Talking about the amount of God's love. Now, it's true. God, there is no height or width or depth or length that can contain the love of God for us. Paul says that, mm -hmm. more or less. Yeah. The point Jesus is making in John is not how much God loves you, it's how God loved you. Yeah. For God, take out the word so, because that's not what it means, uh, amount. It means for God in this way, yep. love the world. And you know that because you have to go back two verses. You have to go back to John 3, 14 and 15, talking about Moses and the serpent in the wilderness. It's, it's a how statement, not a how much statement. How many times have you heard the preacher say, God loves you so much? And the Always. problem with that yeah. is you can say, well, if God loves me so much, why do I have to do anything? Why can't he just do it? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it turns the gospel upside down, doesn't it? Yeah. It just, it's a super subtle little thing, kind of like the gifts. The gifts aren't for me. It's not my present. It's for God's kingdom, not my kingdom. It's to build somebody else up, not to build me up. And, uh, where was I going with that? Oh, correction. That's right. <laughs> yes. um, uh, these little things need to be corrected because here's a, here's a super sad, frustrating example that I can't do anything about mm. uh, for lots of reasons. But, and I'm going to make this very generic because people I know might listen to this and they'll know what I'm talking about if I get more specific. But here's this. Okay. Um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say Bethel because that's where it came from, but I'm not completely condemning Bethel, but that happens to be where this came from. Okay. People, people went, uh, they experienced the gift of prophecy and they brought that along with some other things back to a, a local church with them. And over the course of months prophesied over a particular person about how they were going to be an amazing gift to the kingdom. People were going to be saved through them. They were going to have a huge impact on the church. Mm -hmm. Six months later, that person died. Mm. so wait how i mean you could be well even in their death they're going to have an impact okay that's no that wasn't at all the context or the point of the prophecies that were given it was that they were going to be alive and they were going to evangelize and people were going to be saved and now that can't happen because that person is dead and there was no correction there was no coming along. And I don't mean like you were wrong and Bethel is wrong and blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, shut up. It means coming alongside and say, okay, let's learn from this. Yeah. There's what no happened? repentance in it. Because yeah. when you look at Deuteronomy, God takes prophecy pretty seriously. Yeah. If totally. anyone says, thus saith the Lord, 
hear this church. If anyone says, thus saith the Lord, and the thing does not come to pass, from God's perspective, that person deserves to die yeah, under the Old stoned. Testament. Yeah. Like, come on, let's, <laughs> let's take this gift seriously. Mm-hmm. Not, uh, so there was no correction. Mm. And we don't want to be corrected because we want to have a spiritual good time feeling that we're being used by God and it's never wrong because things of God are never wrong, right? So this must never be wrong. That itself is wrong. Right, totally. And if we can't be humble enough to receive correction, then we don't really get Jesus. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that's a really crucial thing you just said about that because a lot of times people i've i've seen it so many times and like and i really like you know want to i don't know like it's just like a really interesting posture that people have of believing so they believe so much in it's not it's not in god it's in themselves when it comes to like these 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 prophetic words and it's like Uh i have this confidence that god's gonna speak through me well hey guys like if you're whoever's listening like understand that prophecy is it's still happening like it's god says that in first corinthians 13 that yep when the perfect comes the perfect has not come yet he is he and also another side note revival and the uh uh what's it called when god comes back like that is not an event guys like that's been coming since the beginning of time like since the beginning of when Jesus ascended, his return back to to uh, earth to call his people back home has, has already been happening since the time he ascended. So we can't treat this um, moment in time such as, a, as an event of, oh, this is the rapture. Oh, God's coming back. Oh, this is all happening. Yeah. Because God's been, he's been coming for our hearts ever since he left. Like, that's why his spirit yep. is moving. His spirit is moving through this churches. His spirit is moving through people. Like, and his word is still living and active. It's not like, oh, he left, everything dried up, and it's going to be, you know, like, we're just going to be doomed to hell. Damn. Yeah. You know, it's like, right. So, it's not totally a side note, but to go back, it's something that, like, people are so confident in, in their gift that they don't realize that this is a gift guys like this is a really amazing um thing that we we've been given a tool to use to edify it's used to edify the church it's not used to magnify you you're not a superhero like in that regard you're not someone that has a super crazy power not to bust anyone's bubble because i probably just busted a billion bubbles (laughs) but like at the same they need busting yeah you know guys like our our mission here is is to glorify God, like, and that's what we're about. Like, we're not here to be on a pedestal saying, "Well, I'm a, I'm a prophet." Like, hey, well, you understand mm-hmm. what that means? Like, that's a really huge statement because if you say you're a prophet and you're off, like, God should just be like, "Boom!" Like, dead. Like, if we're going back to Old Testament, yeah. like you said, and if we ha- we can't be in this spot of saying, "Well, we can't justify our our words." Um, especially when they are doing so much, so much impact because people, if they, if they hear that in the, in the context of church or ministry Mm -hmm. or whatever, they're going to run with it. And they're like, Oh my gosh. But then they come back and they're like, well, my life totally was not what you said. 
And then you're like, well, mm-hmm. you're not being, you're not doing this more. You're not doing this better. And you're like, wait, no, <laughs> like to go back to like, yeah, no, this has never been about our works. We're not Catholics. We're not trying to earn our way into heaven. We're not freaking Mormons. We're not trying our, our way to create and to be in a posture to say, God, make me good enough. No, we are freaking sinners born into sin. And we are also like saved by grace. Like we are being continually purified, sanctified, in, but mm-hmm. we're still in the process of sanctification today. Like we're in that process now where we're like, God, I need less of me and more of you. Come in, move Holy Spirit, R- rid Stephen of Stephen, rid Corby of Corby. Like, you know, yeah. and let it be about Jesus. And then if we're just saying that, you know, I'm going to keep on going a little, really quick. Um, I yep. hear you. Um, but if we're just saying that, like, you know, if these, if these words of knowledge, these prophetic things are saying, these are the words of God and people are taking it and it's not coming to fruition. We have to be like, Hey, I'm a human. I need to like actually take this more seriously. Hey, I need to be in a place of complete humility when I'm, when I'm using these tools because I don't know what I'm doing most of the time. So I'm just like wanting to say, Hey, please, if you're giving a word of prophecy or knowledge or whatever, take it seriously guys like don't don't just spew it around like it's just some kind of like thing because people are going to eat it up like it's some kind of candy or some kind of sustenance for their life and i think that's where it can be so dangerous because it can be so poisonous it could be either either giving life or giving death and like we can't look at it in this kind of context of well like they're just not doing this better or whatever and like we have to understand that people are we have to just point them back to scripture. So like, say if you give someone a word and like, Hey, like I want you to go back and like really pray about this. Like, I don't really know if like, this is where like you're feeling this or not, but like, please go back to God. Don't take my word for it because I'm, I am a human. (laughs) Like I am a sinful human. So please go back to God who is perfect and let him do the working out of this. this. And then you can just hold on to it, shelf it. Like I just like to say, shelf it. And if it's nothing, mm-hmm. just throw it away. It's okay. I'm not going to be hurt. Like, I want you to be obedient to God. Don't be obedient to Stephen because I'm a person. <laughs> like, what, could, what can yeah. I do, you know? Go for it, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, even even in that, there's a balance. So, help. I'm, I'm old. I'm losing my memory. Stephen, help me remember the word discipleship later, okay? Okay. <laughs> um, we, we <laughs> I do that more often now, and I'm not ashamed of it. <laughs> um, uh, we coming back to the idea that we live in such a performance culture um, Mm. and that has is not even crept it's overtly in the church that somebody who performs whether it's the preacher or the musician or whatever it is has value so um, I'll jump out of the church and then back in out of the church some celebrity there was a time when some celebrity commits some stupid act, mm-hmm. but because they're such a great comedian or they're such a great actor or they're such a great musician, uh, let's just let that go so they can keep making the music that makes me happy. That happens in the church. Mm-hmm. Pastors screw up, leaders screw up, steal money from the church, have, yeah. a, have affairs. But because they're such a great preacher though, they're such a good teacher. They're such a, I feel God when I listen to this person. Does that give them a pass? Does does their sin and discretion give them a pass to just keep doing what they're doing? 
No, no, because it was if it was anybody else, if it was if it was the church janitor, they would be fired. Oh yeah, for sure. Like in a heartbeat. But mm -hmm. because it's the pastor, because it's the performer, and because that's what our culture aspires to, for whatever dumb reason, we let that go. Now I'm not saying it's witch hunt. Let's go find all the sinners and kick them out of the place. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, what what this all comes back to is I remembered. Look at me, is discipleship. We mm -hmm. have lost sight of what biblical discipleship looks like. And here's here's what I mean by that. When you look at the first century, when Jesus was a rabbi and he had disciples, typically what happened was if a person wanted to be a follower of a rabbi, that person would go to the rabbi and say, "Can I follow you?" And if the rabbi said yes, what that meant was that person then left mom and dad, left home, and the whole purpose of their life now became becoming a copy of the rabbi, like down to how the rabbi walked. Like they want to talk like the rabbi, they want to walk like the rabbi, they want to teach the same things, to become a clone of the rabbi that they were following. And it was the rabbi's job to turn his disciples into those clones. Mm -hmm. to, that's, that, that, was, that was the relationship. Um, Jesus kind of flipped it on his head because he himself says, you didn't choose me, I chose you. And people, again, that's a subtle difference. People take that to a salvation point of, of I'm not saying Jesus didn't choose, but that's not what Jesus was saying in that moment. In, instead of the disciples coming to him saying, can we follow you? He's like, I picked you. I chose you to be my disciples. I chose you because I wanted to make you into me. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which is why when he left the Great Commission, the Great Commission is not about evangelism. The Great Commission is about discipleship. Yep. It's teach what I taught, do what I do, because I baptized, I want you to baptize. Be copies of me. Mm -hmm. Now, what that means is that for a time, one person has authority, which is a strong word, and it might be a bad word, but it's 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 an okay word has a level of, 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 I don't know, input, authority is a stronger word, over other people who have willingly surrendered themselves for the purpose of becoming like that other person. Mm. The rabbi doesn't take authority, doesn't impose authority. Authority is given over to. Yep. And that idea on a human level has become, in the church, has become like, that's ridiculous. Why would I give myself over to a person? Why would I be under the authority of another person? However, if you go to like an electrician, guess what they have? They have apprentices. Yep. Guess what apprentices do? They become copies of the electrician. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the yeah. electrician does installs an electrical box in a house and the apprentice watches. And the next time the apprentice helps. And then the third time the apprentice does the work with the help of the electrician. And the fourth time the apprentice does the job all on themselves because that's what they've been trained how to do. Mm -hmm. That's what discipleship is. And we don't have that today. Hmm. It's yeah. mostly gone. We've reduced discipleship to let's go have coffee at Starbucks and talk about a Bible verse. Yeah. It's, it's, that is uh... not, that is not discipleship. <laughs> And there is, I think I was probably of the recent times, one of the last groups of people to experience that kind of discipleship. I'm not saying it doesn't happen anywhere ever, but on a, on a, as the normal thing, it hasn't happened for a long time. And so we've, we're in two, I would say, I would call it two generations now where nobody 
was being discipled and now nobody knows how to disciple mm. in that way. Yeah. And when you have discipleship, you have people who learn how to be corrected, but then turn around and learn how to lead other believers. And nobody knows how to lead other believers. If that's up to the pastor, that's the pastor's job. That's the assistant pastor's job. That's the youth pastor's job is to lead other people's people. It's not us, even though it's a priesthood of all believers. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's the most uh, sad and scary thing to see because, yeah, I... It is. I've been able to like see it more so like in in my life, like when I was younger, like and be able to see discipleship and think thankfully I have like a really group core group of guys that like we still do life together. We still are mm-hmm. keeping each other in accountability and we are, you know, just being super transparent as well as we are not just saying like, let's just go get coffee and like talk about the Bible. Then we talk about how awful our life is. Like it's like this kind of yeah. complacency of like let's be edifying and encouraging and like actually being in a place where we are able to receive um, like <laughs> a place of uh, humility as well as a place where I don't even know like, what the word is, but like, it's just like more so of being able to call people out on their own junk and be like, Hey, I see this in mm-hmm. your life. Like what's going on. And you know, like having that transparency is, has just been so dumbed out because our culture today is so we are just oh my gosh so sensitive to like to being and proud yeah and that's the reason we're so sensitive because we believe so heavily that our word is so heavy it's like the end all be all and i'm like wait like why are you being so offended when i'm telling you that you're being stupid like and you're being a complete (laughs) jerk to people all around you you're not loving them Mm -hmm. you're saying well this is this and this and this is my feelings i'm like hold up like you don't like you don't have the right to like go treat people like garbage because they offended you like you have to understand that there is a balance yeah there's a place where we have to like understand that we have to look and live in empathy and understand that, that we have to love them like we love ourselves and if you're willing to fight for yourself like this how much are you willing to yeah. fight for others like that? And you got to figure that out for yourself because you have to look at it from their point of view and their perspective. And, you know, people don't want to be like told how to live or how to be better and how to lead others into a Christ like driven and Christ filled relationship because mm-hmm. they don't want to be told that they're wrong because if they are told that they're wrong, they're like, well, then I should just give up. Like, I'm just not good enough. And you're like, yeah. wait, <laughs> where did you even get that from? Like, I didn't tell you that you were just mm. being an awful, worthless human being. I'm saying, hey, like, let's do this together. Let's understand that, like, we're both in the same camp. We're not in this mm-hmm. camp that's, like, below me, but we're actually in the same place of understanding that we need help and we need hope and that hope and help and love is in Jesus. So, like, let's mm-hmm. walk together in unity instead of saying, well, I'm just going to throw you down you know, like these, <laughs> this hill because you need to come yeah. back up to the ladder and come up to my spiritual level. Like, no. And I think that's where you're probably seeing in your, in your kids and I'm seeing in my, mm-hmm. in my uh, generation as I'm almost 30, but like there's just so many different um, like aspects of that where people are like not, they're not willing to be told that they're wrong or willing to be able to be told that they're doing something that's like maybe not the most like correct way and they're like well i still got the same result that i wanted and i'm like well you had no integrity in doing it like that and you still like jeopardize your whole complete character in the process 
Yeah. Yep. I remember reading all kinds of articles when I was pastoring uh, over in Oregon uh, in a college town and really trying to connect with college kids. A lot of what was being written by people of that age on Christian blogs was really contradictory. It was like, it was like, I want to be led, but I don't want to be told what to do. Yeah. Like, um, okay. So you really don't want to be led, do you? Because <laughs> it, it's not either or. It's not being a disciple is not a, it's not a dictatorship, uh, nor is it a, an equal partnership where you're like, because you're brand new, you get to be on the same level as, as a leader. No, you, you have to learn. Mm-hmm. You have to be an apprentice for a while before you get to just go do that. Um, but it, it, it just, it comes back to the middle. I, I, I get what most of those articles were reacting to was a more authoritarian kind of, of church leadership and style. But, mm-hmm. you know, the opposite of that is not the answer. The, the middle between the two is the answer. And, and nobody likes to hear that when they're on the extremes, totally. including myself. Oh, yeah. So. And like, it's so easy to be in the extremes because in the extremes, there's no accountability. There's just... You're just right. And that's relationship, right? Yeah. Correct. Both being corrected from above and somebody holding you and then accountability in both directions purely comes from relationship. And when you have people who aren't in a relationship, they can't be held accountable, even though they're supposed to be in the church. Yeah. And that's, I think, where people get like that kind of like the word that just came to me is like cult, like that cult kind mm-hmm. of like bringing because like I've experienced in both worlds, like the extreme crazy sauce of Pentecostalism. And I'm like, holy guacamole. Like, this is insane. Like, I don't know why there's snakes here. I don't know why there's people bringing dead bodies here. Like what is going on? Why are people throwing up in the spirit? What is that? Yeah. Why are people doing all these things? And I'm like, okay, like I've seen that. And I've also seen the exact opposite when I was in California, not to name any uh, people. Um, But Uh like, there was just, this very much cessational cessationalism uh-huh. happening. And I was like, wow, like this is so sad because these people just know God, but they don't know, they know of him, but don't know him personally. They just read yeah. the word and they're like, okay, like now let's keep on going on in our life. And like, let's just like hope that he's going to come back. Cause we know about him, but we don't know him. I'm like, wait, like yeah. how do we live in both these extreme camps where there's, okay, there's no word. It's like saying, okay, like, this is welcome Holy Spirit. When you, when you say, like, I'm welcoming Holy Spirit without the word of God there, you're, you're welcoming yeah. every spirit. Like, it's not even just a matter of the yeah. Holy Spirit because cause the enemy knows the word of God. Like, he knows yep. it. And he can be like, oh, these people are not rooted in, in my truth. So, like, yeah. or in God's truth, they can be like, oh, well, I can just come in and I can just stir it all up like be crazy in this place. And then there's also the extreme of knowing who God is through the word, but not knowing him personally. And like, it's just like you were to like, Oh, I read about my wife and I've been married to her for 26 years. I just know her online. I've never seen her face. I've never right. like heard her voice. Right. But I just read this book about her all the time. Uh-huh. And I'm like, wow, like this woman is so great. And you're like, man, mm-hmm. I don't even know like why. And you're just like married to this book. <laughs> like, it's like crazy. There's right. no tangibility. There's no like place yeah. where you're just like, okay, well, I know, I know my wife. I love her. Like, I like have children with her. I know that she's a great mom. I know these things about her. And like, and she's also a great person, a great teacher. She can help me edify me and help me. But you know, like if you were just to say, I just know my wife 
from the internet and reading a book that I ordered on Amazon, like, wow, mm-hmm. that would be insane. And that's what people are not willing to see in that kind of same lens of like knowing, knowing about God and then knowing God. And then like, also like if the exact stream extreme of that is like, my wife is just crazy. <laughs> and you're just like, yeah, yeah. You know, she's just running rampant and you're like, dude, like she's just so much fun, but there's no balance. She has no set of right. discipline or any kind of, control in her life she's just like one billion percent always fully charged never able to be still and to be serious and you're like who yeah. is this crazy person well <laughs> <laughs> and even in this there there is a there is a middle because i get to know my wife more even after almost 26 years when we're with other people as opposed to just us being at home yeah um like uh, there was this, there's a spiritual connection there. I promise. There was this uh, <laughs> a, a, a book written by an Anglican priest that I read recently, who was trying to define Anglicanism because I was curious for mm-hmm. for the uninitiated, and they he explained one of its concepts, uh, which was amazing, was the spectrum of we on one end and me on the other. And he said that most evangelicals, such as ourselves, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, live on mostly on the me end of the spectrum. I have a personal relationship with Jesus. I have to have quiet times. I go to church, me, 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 I, 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 it's, yeah. it's my gifts. It's, it's, it's what I do for God. It's mm-hmm. very much me focused on the other end of that spectrum is the, we, where it would be a, a, probably the easiest example would be a, a Catholic mindset where a person who is, who is devoutly Catholic believes that they are saved because they are part of a, we, they are part of the church, not because they pray or read the Bible or do anything with or for God, mm-hmm. but because they are part of the we, they are now, they are, they have a relationship with God, right? And right. I, both of those extremes are wrong. Yeah. It's the, yes, I have a relationship with God, but it is with other people. It's mm-hmm. in a community, which yeah. again comes back to the back to the discipleship mindset versus going to a church and sitting in a pew and singing along with the sing-along and listening to the amazing speaker and then going home. Yeah. No, that's not, that's very much me focused. There's no we at all. Mm -hmm. Uh, We happens in what you were talking about with a a group of people, um, you know, iron sharpening iron. Uh, Yeah, it can get, it might get loud. It might be like, what you're doing is stupid, you jerk. But I love you, and I don't want to see you stay that way. Yeah, you know, exactly. People are like, people are like, God accepts me the way I am. It's like, yeah, but He loves you too much to leave you that way. Yeah, exactly. You don't get to stay the way you were when you came to God. Mm-hmm. He doesn't like, oh, you're perfect just the way you are. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Then why would you Big need God no. if you were perfect? Why would you need Him? Why would you go to Him if you were yeah. perfect? <laughs> yeah, you can't judge me. Well, I'm not judging you. It's, it says it says in this book that what you're doing is actually offensive to God. So if you really want to please him, if you love him, then let's let's work on that together. Mm, yeah. Not just go fix it yourself. Just do it together. That's also an important piece of all this. Yeah, totally. Um, and again, to me, I am people might be hearing this. Why are they talking theology? To me, this is all about being a creative. It's also all about being a whatever you're called to be in your church. Yeah. It doesn't matter. All of this feeds into whatever your role is, your part of the body in the church. Yeah. And if we want to like bring it a little bit back around to creativity and stuff, I think a lot of times like people can be so caught up in the word creative. Like that's such a cliche. It's like, you know, I kind of am starting to like not (laughs) like, 
don't like that word too much, but at the same time, like it's something that I really am passionate about in that world of yeah. art. And if we're not able to understand what we're doing and like why we're doing it and like understanding the people that we're, that we are wanting to target for our audience or wanting to like love so well through this, we're going to be in the same position. We're going to be in the spot of trying to earn it, trying to work harder, trying to do all these different things when really like this whole podcast platform is a place to say, Hey guys, like it's okay to not be okay in this, in this setting of yeah. like, Oh, well, I don't really know if I'm supposed to be creative or I don't even know if it's, if I have the tools to do it. That's what we're saying. Hey, we're building community over on this podcast and like we're here to help you and to give you the tools through all these different people and as well as this platform where you're like, hey, like I just need to like get this stuff out because I don't even know what it is I'm working towards or where, yeah. where I'm going. And it's like that's the same thing as faith. <laughs> like we we're here yeah. in this position saying, I don't know what I'm doing, but like I'm just here wanting to figure it out. I'm here wanting to like understand a greater level of like who God is and like what that looks like and how can I, you know, utilize my faith in this way because a lot of our listeners are believers and they are in this kind of pocket of, well, I work a nine to five and I'm doing this and I don't really feel like I'm able to utilize my gifts in this certain way. Mm-hmm. Well, guys, like you have to understand that God's using you in, in this, in that season of your life. He's also wanting you to like stop making it so much about you in that time as well. Like, don't be like, well, I'm working this job and it's, it's a dead end job and I really don't like it because I'm, I'm meant to be a creative and whatever the heck that word means mm-hmm. to you. Like we can't park our car in this position of saying, well, woe is me. Like, it's like, no, God's using me here. And there's probably people that are around me that I can still like completely yeah. love and serve and be in a really amazing position to to uh, edify or grow in my in my people skills because if you were thinking of this as like the end all be all then you're not really meant to be in this world because the creative world is never a place of arrival it's a place of discovery and it's a journey where we're like reaching out to people we're we're constantly on the move to like figure out where and how we can progress and how we can like utilize our gifts and the or our tool in the best possible way and to create it uh, like a really big impact for it so yeah. you know like yeah. that's how it is in our walk with god too like we're like okay god like where are you calling me to go like it's a it's a constant surrender of ourself because in the art world we're not living paycheck to paycheck in that regard of like being dependent on paycheck we're like living like okay day by day we're like where are we going yep. like what is happening today because we don't know when we're gonna get paid we don't know when we're going to uh-huh. get these different things because we're not we're not holding on tightly to these things. We're holding tightly on to the Lord. And we're saying, okay, God, like I'm just trusting you today because I don't know what's happening in this next hour because I had this, yeah. but someone canceled. And now I don't know what's happening. Like, where are we going now? And it's like that complete trust and abandonment to to our to God and to our craft. It's like, you know, so like if we're, gonna relate it all this back to art and creativity like it's just that yep. that posture of humility that posture of surrender discipleship like it's all about having community around you guys like you cannot be a creative solo there's no such thing as someone that has been a success story by themselves there's no such thing as that and if you are you're just being 
a wantrepreneur. You're not an entrepreneur. Like yeah. you want this stuff, but you don't. You're it's not, hollow. It's so hollow. Your heart's not in it, and it's it's the me show. And people don't give any care about you making it all about yourself. <laughs> they want you to yeah. show that you love what you're doing, and you want to give it all away. You want to give everything away to them. And people are like, man, like this guy is so great, or this girl is so great, because they don't even care about what they're doing. They want to just love people so deeply and so well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, that, <laughs> yeah. I can, I'll, I, I can kind of I'll bring it around, and if or if you want to cut it off and no, do a keep, two part or, or no more part, and or no, throw we, this away, it's totally fine. No, I but want to hear to bring that around to the creative yeah. aspect of all this and tie some of it together. Was what in twenty sixteen. Uh, my, my ministry world sort of fell apart. The path that I had started to follow when I was 19 years old, <coughs> excuse me, for ministry related stuff blew up. And like, I didn't believe in the midlife crisis, but it is for real. Y'all, mm. it, it will, so, <laughs> something will happen at some point. Um, and uh, I found myself um, married, father of, of two older teenage boys, who like I needed to do something like mm -hmm. I needed to provide for my family. And I thought it was going to be one way. And God's like, we're done with that way. Now you're going to learn a whole new world of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so lesson one change happens. People yeah. don't believe that God calls you to one thing for the rest of your life. <laughs> um, lesson two, you might get it wrong. I, I took that season and I, I think I got it wrong when I was 19. I think I misheard God. I, I half heard God and pursued what I thought he wanted me to do, but in the wrong way. Yeah. And that's, that's a frustration. That's a major frustration. Um, but in that time, I could have I asked, I read this in a book at the time by a friend of mine. Uh, and it's in a season of change like that, the weak questions are, what should I do? Where should I work? Where, where do I go? The, which are logical questions. Like, I need to make money. What am I supposed to do? The strong question for the believer is to ask, how can I best build God's kingdom? Yep. It's like, yeah, but I'm unemployed. doesn't matter. The first question that will filter every other question that comes after it, even the weak ones, how can I best build God's kingdom? And then ask, what do I do? Where should I go? We, we get it backward. We ask about God's kingdom last because we're worried about our kingdom in the moment. Yep. Exactly. Right? So I spent, I'm still, it's four years later. I'm still sort of actively trying to pursue God and, and thing and heal from various things. Cause healing takes a long time. Um, uh, you know, biologically when you're older, healing takes a long time and spiritually <laughs> yeah. I think when you're older, healing takes a long time. <laughs> Um, oh, to which I will add, it's okay to be depressed, Christians. Mm -hmm. It's okay. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to be melancholy. It's okay to be PO'd for seasons. Yeah. If you live in that world forever, that's a problem. Totally. But I firmly believe Jesus was depressed on occasion. I firmly believe he was angry on occasion. I, it's it, uh, everything that we can feel Jesus felt, including all of the crap. Totally. And uh, if your version of Jesus doesn't include that, then you have an incomplete version of Jesus. Um, but being a creative, which is what I'm trying to pursue while, as you said, working a nine to five, uh, it's in me. 
I have to get it out of me. I'm trying different ways to do it and uh, and ideally honor God in all of it, even if it's not church or ministry related. But um, I'm trying to do it as as he wills and as he directs, not uh, not at my own, because I still have family. I still have responsibilities. Totally. I still have stuff I got to take care of. Yeah. And I think that's like the most important thing. There's there's such a place where we can't, we're not called to live abandoned to our responsibilities. We're called to live in an abandonment to our to ourself. And then, and when we are in a place of having family and a place of understanding like that we are responsible for them, to love them, to care for them as Christ loves the church, like there's a place where like, oh, well, like I still have this like desire in me to like create, but like that doesn't mean that I'm gonna just like yeah. drop everything and just go do it and, and hope that God's gonna bless it. Like he gives us a brain, people, like he gives us wisdom, yeah. he gives us tools, and we have to be so sensitive and aware. I had a podcast uh the other day and my buddy like he was like, Yeah, like I just like was feeling like it was just that time, like I was at a place where my like my creative stuff was going good. And my job stuff was going good, but I had to trust that God was like, hey, like go, it's time to go and leave this season. It's time to like end this chapter and to push mm-hmm. into creativity. It wasn't this place of like, well, I'm just going to leave everything and be reckless and, you know, be mm-hmm. in this like complete um, prideful way that says, well, this is who I'm supposed to be. So I'm going to go do it. And if the world doesn't like it, then screw it. And if God doesn't like it, then he's not for it. I'm like, whoa, like, right. we can't live like that because, you know, like God calls us to be yeah. in the world, but not of it. And I think so much of the time we become of the world when we live in our, in our capacity of saying, well, this is all about me and this is all about this. And like, yeah. that's the worldly intention that God totally says, do not be conform to the world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind like do not be conformed Uh to the ways of this world people like don't be so misled to believe that being a creative is like your only path so i have to do this and if and if people don't get it then they don't get me like no like you have to understand that you're called to be in community and that community can look differently in different seasons and like god Mm -hmm. can do so many greater things with you at your job like where you're at now, even if it sucks, even if it's hard, like he's teaching you to have grit. Mm-hmm. He's teaching you to have some kind of place of, hey, I can stick through this because this sucked and I'm able to like learn and I can actually see what he's preparing me for because it's not all mm-hmm. roses and easy as a creative at all. Like it's mm-hmm. actually the nope. exact opposite. It's you're putting in longer hours, you're putting in like completely a place where you're like sending out a billion emails and you're like, wow, like, huh, I hope I get one email back because I sent out over 500 today and you might not get one back until the next week. You're like, oh my gosh, like what's happening? And you're just like at this place where you're questioning all this stuff. So like there's different things that will help you and be able to shape you and form you and mold you into a greater person as a creative. And maybe like, it's just a place where you're like, man, I really just need to like trust and like understand like there's people here that I can build relationships with that are going to be my future listeners to a podcast, my future listeners to my music or support team, my support squad that I have that I can have at my job. Like these people, if you leave on good terms with them, they're going to totally support you in what you're doing. They're not going to be like, Oh, you're awful. Or if they do say that, then Hey, like it's okay. Like, you know, we're not living in this place where we're trying to please and appease people. We're trying to 
please our father and we're trying to love him and to be obedient to him and that doesn't always look as like clean and cookie cutter as we make it out mm-hmm. to be on a freaking pulpit every sunday or wednesday or whatever the heck that yeah. is it's this place yep. of a complete beautiful mess and you know we get to live in that and we get to understand that grace is real we get to understand that god yep. is completely for us and that he wants us to completely surrender and rely on him and to trust him and not to be so focused on our own um pursuit or our own desires yeah. but on his desires because they're actually better than our own yep absolutely that's it oh man with corby shoot i feel like we just had like an amazing conversation and we were able to do it we did completely a creative one um how can people um connect with you do you have like facebook not to put you in the age kind of gap um do you have (laughs) instagram um is there an email that you prefer or a website that you have that they can come reach out they want to continue the conversation with you and have questions yeah well it's funny as part of the whole as being trying to be a creative and and find ways to efficiently do all that i i (laughs) I do yes and maybe this will help somebody maybe this uh whatever yes um i have at corby stevens c-o-r-b-y s-t-e-p-h-e-n-s uh is on facebook instagram and twitter Wow, um, nice. <laughs> sort, of, sort, of, sort of the big three. Yeah. Um, well uh, uh is the website. And um, what I'm, I'm shifting how I'm using those currently to a more, um, it's still creative, but it's less ministry focused. And I'm trying to take an old domain that I have and relaunch it as a more ministry created focus mm, okay. so the stuff you'll find at corby stevens is is going to be more uh, uh voiceover focused and podcast production focused and probably even it nerd focused because that's my nine to five but creatives need it help too so that's totally. all about oh my gosh that. yeah they do especially in the um, digital age we're going into <laughs> next well i'll do a part two about that sometime for sure just to hear about like the yeah for the sure it world and how that's um, kind of like helped I, you out I uh, I made a devotional uh, tool called the Rhythm Journal that uh, I need to revisit and revamp because it's a few years old and I don't have paper copies anymore, but I think I'm, I'm going to turn it into a digital only. Uh, so that's the rhythmjournal.com. It's also at the Rhythm Journal on Facebook, I think. Um, and Instagram, the Rhythm Journal. Twitter, but that Twitter was the weird one. It was my Rhythm Journal. I couldn't get the Rhythm Journal. Um, <laughs> but it's a more intentional discipleship process. process. Um, uh, I'm trying, yeah, I'm tr- I'll throw it out there. It won't be ready by the time this posts, but I'm trying to relaunch a domain I have called the blue thread, Okay. Uh, which is, which is a, a, an idea from the book of numbers where they were told to weave a blue thread in their prayer garments. And that's a visual reminder of how God's word is woven into their lives. Mm. Um, so I'm trying to take all my more ministry bloggy, uh, there's some books on in the pipeline, uh, to all go there. So the blue thread is, um, look for that at some point, but if you want, yeah, if you want to stay tuned, just go to Corby Stevens stuff that I mentioned and I'll post things as they become relevant. Um, if you're into music, I'm, I'm currently in the production phase of a podcast document 
documentary, a podumentary called Headliners PDX. It's nice. at headlinerspdx.com. Um, it's I mentioned at the beginning, my dad was a is a professional musician, mm-hmm. and uh, so it's 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 kind of about what it was like to be a pro musician in Portland, Oregon, sort of in the 60s, 70s, 80s, and uh, how it specifically how it changed from going from being able to make a living as a live music performer to not being able to do that really anymore. So it's mm. sort of looking at that question specifically. Yeah, and that's definitely, so, we'll have to do a part two on that one because I think that'd be a really fun conversation to have, especially as we're, yeah, our world's sure. going to a digital age, so. Yeah. All right, man. Well, everyone, thank you so much for listening in to our podcast at Poema PDX. Um, please leave a rating on itunes any of the podcast platforms you are listening on right now leave a three or more if it's less than that please let me know how we can do this and make it better for you and we are also on all social media platforms instagram twitter the whole nine yards um please uh just leave your love there and follow like and comment engage and we will see you guys next week thank you